Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 1, Who is as the wise, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? The wisdom of man causeth his face to shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. God is light, so it makes sense that if you have wisdom from the Lord, your face will shine. And it says wisdom will stop a man from being hard, meaning that he won't get angry easily. If you get angry easily, you really need more wisdom so that you can see the bigger picture, you can look further into the future regarding consequences, and that will give you more self-control and more motivation to curb your impulses. 2. I pray thee, the commandment of a king keep even for the sake of the oath of God. He says, obey the king, or obey man's authority. When America was created, they decided to have a three-branch government where there's a legislative branch, an executive branch, and a judicial branch. But in ancient times, the king was both the legislative and the judicial branch. The king created laws, and he punished lawbreakers. So Solomon says to obey earthly kings, and by doing that, we'll have more self-control to obey the Lord as well. 3. Be not troubled at his presence. Thou mayest go. Stand not in an evil thing, for all that he pleaseth he doth. Solomon says don't be too quick to leave the king's presence. If somebody in authority tells you something to do, don't dismiss them and act like what they said is not important. That can cause them to get mad at you. If they want you to go quickly and do what they said, that's one thing. But to leave quickly in an arrogant way as if you don't care what they said, that could cause wrath to come on you. And that's what a lot of people do with the Lord. They hear his laws and they hear his voice, but then they go about their business as if the Lord never said anything to them. 4. Where the word of a king is, power is. And who saith to him, What dost thou? We can't question somebody who's in high authority over us because that person is so powerful. All of this advice is a good metaphor for how we should treat King Jesus. He is high above us, so we don't have any authority to question him. Unfortunately, a lot of people question the Lord. The better response when we don't understand what God is doing is to just worship him and thank him. 5. Whoso is keeping a command knoweth no evil thing, and time and judgment the heart of the wise knoweth. This is a generalization. There's always exceptions to the rule. But generally, if you obey the law and if you obey the Lord, you won't run into trouble. Now, sometimes you can get persecuted for doing the right thing. But Solomon is making a general statement here. And wise people understand when judgment is coming and they prepare for it by obeying the orders that they have been given. 6. For to every delight there is a time and a judgment, for the misfortune of man is great upon him. For all of the delights that we can experience in this life through sin, judgment day will come. But those who are unwise only see the temporary pleasure that they can experience now. They're not looking ahead at the future when judgment day comes. 
7. For he knoweth not that which shall be, for when it shall be, who declareth to him? If you don't know that judgment day is coming, you won't be prepared for it. 8. There is no man ruling over the spirit to restrain the spirit, and there is no authority over the day of death, and there is no discharge in battle, and wickedness delivereth not its possessors. Solomon says that man cannot restrain the spirit. You can restrain your own spirit, but you can't restrain the spirit of the Lord. He also says man has no power over death, and that's true because God has power over death. And he says when death comes, you can't win the battle against it. And when the wicked oppress other people, it's to their own hurt, because the wicked will be judged for what they do. 9. All this I have seen, so as to give my heart to every work that hath been done under the sun, a time that man hath ruled over man to his own evil. He's talking about the fact that evil rulers oppress their own people. 10. And so I have seen the wicked buried, and they went in, even from the holy place they go, and they are forgotten in the city, whether they had so done. This also is vanity. Solomon says that when wicked men die, not only are their evil deeds forgotten, they themselves are also forgotten. 11. Because sentence hath not been done on an evil work speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of man is full within them to do evil. He says one of the reasons people keep sinning is because they don't get punished right away. Punishment is delayed. In fact, when they die, judgment day is delayed. Even though they go into eternal torment, from earth we don't see any evidence of justice being done. It might seem strange that the wicked people go to hell instantly, but at the same time, the Bible says that there is one day called Judgment Day, and everybody gets judged on that day. So some people might think, well, you don't go to hell right away, you must go to purgatory or someplace like that. But the Bible does say that when wicked people die, they go to hell, and yet there is one Judgment Day. It's explained in the book of Revelation that on Judgment Day, Hades and hell give up their dead, meaning that those who went to hell come before the throne of God and they get judged officially in front of everybody in the universe and all the angels. And then the book of Revelation says they get sent right back to hell after their judgment. So it's kind of like if you get arrested and you go to prison while you're awaiting trial and then you come to court for your trial date and then the judge says, well, you already served four years, so that'll cut down your sentence. So we're going to take four years off of your sentence. It's the same thing, except everybody's sentence is eternal. Nobody gets any number of years cut off. However, there is a judgment day or a day in God's court that's after these people are put in hell when they die. Now, the word hell is not in the Bible, neither is the word trinity, but both of the concepts are clearly there. So even though hell is a modern terminology, the concept of hell is in the Bible, and hell has many different compartments. There's different punishments and different places for different people. 
but it's okay to use the word hell to describe all of it because we don't know which compartment each person is going to, and it would make a sentence too long if we named all the different places like Outer Darkness, Gehenna, the Belly of Hell. These are all different places in hell, so it would make the sentence too long to try to list all of them. So we just say hell, and when we say Trinity, we mean Father, Son, and His Holy Spirit. Instead of saying all of those, we just say Trinity. But the concept of Father, Son, and His Spirit is in the Bible. 12. Though a sinner is doing evil a hundred times and prolonging himself for it, surely also I know that there is good to those fearing God who fear before Him. Even though people who don't repent continue to do evil throughout their life, it is good to fear God because those who fear the Lord will be blessed. 13. And good is not to the wicked, and he doth not prolong days as a shadow, because he is not fearing before God. The wicked will not receive the same blessings that the righteous receive, and they won't receive prolonged days. That also is a general statement because there are some wicked people who do live into their 90s. But that is probably because the Lord is giving them longer to repent. 14. There is a vanity that hath been done upon the earth, that there are righteous ones unto whom it is coming, according to the work of the wicked, and there are wicked ones unto whom it is coming, according to the work of the righteous. I have said that this also is vanity. As he has said previously in this book, He's complaining that sometimes righteous people get punished and wicked people get rewarded in this life. But we know that's because karma does not exist. It is God who exists, and God has a plan, and He uses both suffering and forbearance to work out His will so that more people can get saved. 15. And I have praised mirth, because there is no good to man under the sun except to eat and to drink, and to rejoice, and it remaineth with him of his labor the days of his life that God hath given to him under the sun. So again he's restating what he had said in previous chapters, that the best thing we can do is have fun and enjoy all of the blessings that the Lord has given us. But by the end of Ecclesiastes, he will come to a different conclusion, which is that pleasure is not the ultimate good. Repentance is actually the ultimate good. But we'll read that later. 16. When I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that hath been done on the earth, for there is also a spectator in whose eyes sleep is not by day and by night. 17. Then I considered all the work of God, that man is not able to find out the work that hath been done under the sun, because though man labor to seek, yet he doth not find, and even though the wise man speak of knowing, he is not able to find. He says there's nothing new under the sun, but that is the things of man. Mankind is not doing anything new from generation to generation. We still operate the same way in every generation, and we commit the same sins. But the Lord has created things under the sun that are so numerous that we'll never discover all of them. Discovery is the only thing that's new. Not discovery of what we have done, but discovery of what the Lord has done. There are still animals we haven't identified, and all kinds of things 
about geology and biology and everything else that we don't know. And he says he came to this conclusion when he pursued wisdom and tried to learn about everything that goes on on this planet. And he also said that there is an observer who never sleeps. That observer would have to be the Lord. And that concludes Ecclesiastes chapter 8.